We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. As of yesterday, now promoted to the assistant general manager, filling Chad Buchanan's spot under Rich Show. I'll say this, and then I'll throw it to you guys because I don't want to. I don't want to go down this rabbit hole. I've been down it too many times in the past. <laughs> this makes me nervous. Yeah. He's. I don't know Buzz Peterson and Michael Jordan's relationship, but I know they're boys, and MJ's quote unquote boys in the past in this front office. You know who I'm talking about has yeah. not worked out well. And if Rich Cho does not survive this this mess and he is not brought back the year after, and in some alternate universe, maybe the universe we're actually living in right now, Buzz Peterson is promoted to GM, I that is not good. You're listening to BuzzBeat Radio, your premier Charlotte Hornets show. Welcome back, BuzzBeat listeners, Queen City Hoops readers, and Hornets fans. We're back for episode 32 of BuzzBeat Radio. Uh, since you last heard us, a lot has happened. Uh, Charlotte signed Michael Carter-Williams. The Summer League has happened. I don't know that anything super exciting happened there since Malik Monk didn't play, but we're going to talk about that. Uh, Buzz Peterson has been promoted to the assistant general manager into the front office here with the Charlotte Hornets uh, and plenty more here. So we're going to talk about it all. Brian's with us. Richie's with us. I will introduce them here in a second. But do not forget that we are a proud member of the Almighty Baller Radio Network. Please check out Almighty Baller dot com for other great shows covering the rest of the nba um so this is our what is this brian our second episode with you as a co-host now yeah i think so although i feel like that draft night marathon should qualify as like yeah. two or three more or at least two or three more but uh no this is a uh, episode two uh, i think the dwight howard emergency podcast was the last like unofficial one so this will this is the second one since then it already feels like you're a regular which is a great sign uh and and again we're, we're really happy to have you on uh as a co-host here on the show uh richie how are you my friend school's out 
you're you're well into summer now. You're digging in on summer league. You got past free agency. You're just you're sharpening the basketball knife one day at a time. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, summer summer is treating me well. I actually went to our neighborhood pool for the first time today. Uh, got some sun in. You know, I was there for like two hours, so I'm a little bit beat. Uh, sitting out in the sun all day kind of gets you a little bit tired. But uh, I'm re- I'm ready to talk some Hornets. Awesome. All right, so it's the off season. Uh, we're gonna. After free agency, we, we were going back and forth on the tax. We're like, you know what? I think we're just going to kind of treat this pot, this uh, this episode like the off season. So we're going to jump around for to a few topics here. You guys want to start with Michael Carter Williams? That seems like the logical place to start here. Yeah, I think that makes the most sense. I mean, it's probably the the headline topic of all the ones that we're going to talk about today. Yeah, I would I would think so. So initially, you know, I thought Michael Carter Williams, you know, at two point seven one year flat. That's pretty good. You know, he doesn't bring you shooting, but he's a 6'6 guard who's still young, who still has potential, uh, who can still give you a lot defensively in terms of versatility, you know, playing with Kimball Walker uh, and really playing with Malik Monk even. I don't hate it maybe as much as Hornets uh, Twitter or Hornets Nation hates it because I've, I've seen a lot of skepticism really about the signing, but I think it's solid. I think when you look at the price point, it's going to help the Hornets. I think they can play Carter Williams in a lot of different lineups because of his size. I don't think he's a great defender, but I think he's a fine defender. You know, I, I, he makes a difference on that end, and he can guard three positions. You know, that, those are all good things. He can't shoot, no, but he can get into the lane. Uh, he can make plays. Uh, I, I think he has a high basketball IQ. He's a good transition player. Um, Brian, I'm sure you're going to have some stats for us to to make us believe even more in him. But you know. When we talk, and we've talked about this for a while now, leading up to free agency and now into it, the Hornets were in cap hell, and they were they were handcuffed to really what they could do. And Cho's been in this position before, and once again, he kind of delivers with a pretty good return uh, so far this summer on what he had going into it. And I think Mar- Michael Carter Williams is just another example of that. Um, the Hornets still could technically fit one more minimum contract, uh, veteran minimum contract into their cap space here, uh, or not cap space, but into their books before they reach the tax. Uh, we'll see if that happens, but let's start with you, Brian, about the Carter Williams signing your initial thoughts. How does this work in Charlotte with him really just not being able to stretch the floor and shoot at all? Yeah. Well, first off, it, it'll be interesting to see where he, you know, where he fits. I can't imagine we're going to see too many lineups with, uh, with, with MKG. So Cliff may have to stagger things a little bit. And certainly, uh, if you do see those two guys, I can't imagine you'll see also see Dwight Howard out there. Uh, the thought of, uh, how those guys might space the floor together is a little, uh, a little scary, but, um, my thing with my thing with MKG is, and I, and I know I, myself, like, I know I kind of shot it down, you know, a couple maybe a couple weeks ago when we were talking about potential guys to, I think with, 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 uh, with Kroger the other week talking about potential backup, uh, free agent point guards. And I, I think I kind of shot it down, just not wanting to have another non shooter as one of the top six perimeter guys on the, on the roster, but there, there's stuff to like with MKG. And, and one of the things I would maybe consider doing is, and maybe, maybe this, maybe you can't do this, but I'm, I'm willing to just throw out this past season in Chicago you know, the, the, the bulls were a disaster offensively and they made the playoffs, but that that was really just because Jimmy Butler's awesome in the East. What wasn't, wasn't so great. 
you know, they, they were bottom, bottom three and three point attempts, three point attempt rate, all that sort of stuff. And MCW had to play a lot of minutes with some other non shooters, including over 300 minutes with Dwayne Wade when the bowls were pretty bad uh, and scored uh, less than one point per possession with those two guys on the court there. But if you go back a couple years ago, so even, even that 2015, 2016 Milwaukee team that certainly, you know, they, they weren't exactly the, the team, a great team known for stretching the floor, but some other stuff with him, uh, MCW that year, 2015, 2016, seven and a half drives per game. He shot almost 48% on drives going to the hoop that year, had over 63% of his points that season in 2015, 2016 with the Bucks come from uh, drives to the hoop. So this is the kind of guy that I think it's, you know, especially playing alongside Kemba and perhaps some of these kind of double point guard lineups that he might be a guy where you can see Kemba run a pick and roll or, you know, to one side of the court. And then the ball gets swung against the bent defense and MCW just straight line drives to the hoop. So I think there's some cool stuff they can do with those two guys that perhaps, uh, you know, MCW and, and Monk being another kind of gravity bending shooter that they can bring off the bench and play with him. So I, I, I'm excited to see what Mike can do as a, uh, as a, as a driver and as a secondary creator and certainly on the defensive end. And that's something we can talk about here in a little bit too, because that's what you want to focus on because um, you know, the, the three point game is, is, is problematic to say the least. Yeah. I, you know, I, I like your point about, you know, MCW being, and I gotta, I can't do the MCW thing because no. I'm going to do what Brian did MK- here at the beginning and, and do the MKG. Like, I, I'm just going with Carter Williams or Mike, or we got to figure out something. I don't yeah. know what it is, but it can't be MCW because MKG has that market cornered. Yeah, and we got to go another direction. But um, but no, I mean I think Carter Williams uh, could be a good secondary, you know, offensive creator. He's really good finishing in traffic. And that season in Milwaukee that you referenced, Brian, he was especially good. You know, I I, I agree with you. I throw out the Chicago. Uh, year, I, I just think it was a mess there. His playing time was inconsistent. Um, but the Milwaukee year, you saw a lot of promise, uh, you know, with him and, and what he can bring to the table offensively, which is certainly not, you know, a full menu. But if you put him around the right players, especially the right guards, a guy like Kimba, a guy like Malik Monk, I mean, I think those are both really good fits next to Carter Williams on the floor uh, at the end of games. Uh, and, and I just like the idea of Charlotte finally having that second creator on the floor with Kimba at the end of games, which they just didn't have last year at all. Um, so that's a really – and really, if Monk gets to the point next season where he's ready to play late game minutes, Charlotte can arguably have three playmakers on the floor uh, late in games, two and a half, you know, whatever you consider Monk to be ready to do next season but it's just awesome that the hornets have found at such cheap price a guy a point guard a ball handler a creator that can play with kimball walker because we saw the return on investment from that component with jeremy lynn the year before last with kimba so i really like that richie what are your thoughts with carter williams and is he an awful fit a good fit i mean what are your feelings here I mean, I bashed him on the previous episode. I think out of the three of us, I probably have the most skepticism, like you were talking about, Spencer, but I'm trying to warm up to him. I want him to grow on me a little bit, and you know, with some of the things you guys have been talking about, I definitely see the intrigue and, and the fit there, because he is 6'6", and Brian, you could almost run like a 1-2 a pick and roll, and, and maybe get yeah. 
Michael Carter Williams matched up on on Kimba's man and get him to post up because really where we're going to see the biggest effect with Carter Williams is down low in the restricted area because outside of the paint he hasn't shown much uh, and I don't know if he will ever develop a shot. That's always going to be the issue. But I, I'm starting to see the intrigue with Carter Williams. I know exactly why they picked him up because he he is a taller guy, lankier. And on defense, he's going to be an upgrade over Session. So that that right there is going to be a big upgrade uh, on that level. And the funny thing is, we, we talk about the pairing with Kimba. Kimba was one of the, the biggest recruiters of, of Michael Carter-Williams. I don't know if you guys heard about this, but he was the one that reached out and was talking to uh, Rich Cho and and some of the uh, people in the front office. Hey, we need to go after this guy. So if if he's the one that, that kind of is recruiting this guy, I guess I could feel better about this uh, acquisition. But here's the thing. It, it's a low-risk acquisition. One year, $2.7 million. Uh, so at first, I didn't like it, Spencer. I'm starting to warm up to it. Uh, but I definitely want to see it in action before I kind of make my final judgment on it. Yeah, what I like about it least probably is the fact that it's just a one-year flat deal yeah. with no no option on the second. I mean, I, I would like to see the Hornets try to get off this uh, <laughs> this repetitive motion of just going through backup point guards year after year. Um, it's fine and it's great to get good deals, and I think they've done this again with Carter Williams, but they need to try to find some kind of continuity moving into the future. I mean, if they if they would have if, if it would have spent part of the the mid level exception on Carter Williams and somehow negotiated a team option or or a that, partial guarantee into year two, I would have liked this a lot more because you know you don't have to go through the same story next year with your back against the wall since the Hornets are already taxed out again. I mean, that's what I like least about it. Brian, I know you want to jump in here. No, that I couldn't agree. I, I couldn't agree with you more. They're going to be doing the same thing in a year. Like they'll, they'll be doing the exact same thing. They're going to have the same sort of cap tax situation, most likely. And if Carter Williams is, is bad this year, then you move on from him. And if he's great, well, then he goes and gets a better contract for more money somewhere else. So it's, the they'll they'll be doing the same thing again in 12 months so it's it's a little frustrating and i wish they could have gotten a team option on there maybe that was sort of a, a non-starter with, with carter williams and his team or whatever but uh that would have been really nice like like they did with sessions they were able to get a, a second year team option with him and, and getting some sort of some sort of deal like that with uh, with carter williams would have been uh, would have been really nice, Richie. I think that's a great point about the, the these kind of pick and rolls. You can he can Kemba can run. Golden State does that with a, like not a lot with Livingston, but does it occasionally with Livingston, and it lets him get in. Like he gets going downhill, they spread the court with Sean. They let him go in downhill and th- you know look for cutters and look for corners in the shooter. Uh, look for shooters in the corner. Mm-hmm. Maybe that they can try here with uh with Carter Williams a little bit too. He hasn't. He has basically no experience of it at all in his career. Look at some of the numbers, but. That's certainly something they they can try, and I'm I'm curious to see uh, what that may look like. I mean, yeah, just to use his height advantage and get him switched on to Kimba's man, I think there's got to be some kind of advantage there. So, I mean, it, it doesn't hurt to try that. Right, I, I I agree, and 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 just some other stuff too. As far as his uh, his defense goes, you know, I try not to put too much weight on undefended field goal percentage numbers, uh, especially when they're not at the rim. But just some stuff to look at from last season. Got undefended three pointers that Carter Williams contested. Uh, opponents shot thirty four point four percent. That was about one and a half percent lower than what their expected field goal percentage on threes would have been. 
um, and on field goals of less than 10 feet, about 2.4 per game. If guys, opponents against MKG shot 47.7%, which is about 7.6% less than what they would have expected normally on those type of shots inside 10 feet. Again, those, those numbers are like a little faulty, but still it's, it's something to, you know, his length, I think could be an advantage defensively on the perimeter for the Hornets. And side note, when Brian says MKG in this episode, he probably means MCW. Yeah. I'm talking exclusively about Carter Williams here. Yeah. 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 Uh, so we just, we just got to figure out what we're calling yeah. him. It's fine. I mean, we're all new to this. And, yeah. and by the time we get used to it, he's out the door. <laughs> and yeah, we're talking about the new point guard. <laughs> the points. We'll, so, we'll, uh, find another, we'll find another, another hyphenated guy that can't shoot. And uh, we'll. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So enough on Carter Williams. Um, we'll see how it works out. But, you know, I, again, I, I like it because really more than anything is on the defensive end. He's just someone who, who can play a lot of different positions uh, across the wing. And he's a, he's a ball handler and a creator uh, and can play with Kemba. So this will be very, very interesting to see how this goes and really, quite frankly, how many minutes Carter Williams uh, sees per game. I could say anywhere in the 15 to 25 range. I think it's hard to call right now. Okay. So on that note, the Hornets, if we count the three non-guaranteed contracts that they have on the books right now, Travion Graham, Briante Weber, and Johnny O'Brien being those contracts, that puts the Hornets at what I have, 117 million, 263, 796. So, that means that they can technically still fit in a minimum contract, uh, a veteran minimum contract, about a $1.7 million, and still stay below the tax. That also gets the roster to 15, the minimum in the NBA under the new CBA that take, took effect on July the 1st is 14 players. So technically, Charlotte doesn't have to sign anyone else. They could just take in Graham, take in Weber, take in O'Brien and they're at 14. I, I probably would expect them uh, to make one more signing here, and I think Rich Chose made that pretty clear the other day in the press conference, said he was looking for one more big and a third point guard. I would expect one of those to probably be a two-way contract, which is now new under the CBA, and the Hornets can use those uh, because they obviously have the Greensboro Swarm, their they're G League, not D League, their G League affiliate. Um, but that's where the Hornets are now. Saw Raymond Felton go to OKC today on the veteran minimum. Uh, I guess that's of 1.7. Or no, no, he qualifies for more than that, but I don't know what that exact number is. Certainly would have been nice to see it, seen a guy like that come to Charlotte, but I'm sure he wanted to get on a contender. A name I would keep in mind is Brian Roberts. Um, don't <laughs> – I know that just ruined your day if you're listening. <laughs> but I, I would – you know, he's a vet. Uh, he can come in, you know, you know, if you're looking for another point guard, he's coming on the cheap. He would earn the 1.7 veterans minimum. Um, I think he would be a good mentor for Weber. I don't think the Hornets, and maybe we can revisit this later. Maybe now's the time to just kick the tires on it. But there's a lot of hate out there for Briante Weber. That guy just had 14 steals in summer league. Like I, like I know he can't shoot, but he is a bulldog defender. Uh, he's not a great creator of, I mean, I would not give up on him. He's on a super friendly contract. He's had some stops in the NBA and had bright moments. I I mean, you're paying the guy $1.4 million next year. Why not keep him on when you're strapped for flexibility anyways, 
and see what you can get out of him. It's not like we're going to ask him to play a lot of minutes. But, yeah, I want to stay on that for a second. Maybe we can segue into Summer League from there. Richie, you've been kind of down on Briante, and you probably watch more Summer League than any of us. I mean, I, I don't. I guess I'm a little confused as to, like, why all these – you know, I just see all these folks right. like, well, we could pick up this guy, this guy, he'll be better than Briante. Briante's a young player on a $1.4 million contract, which is less than most of the, the veteran minimum contracts right. you're going to get. You're asking him to play 10 games this season in spot minutes? I mean, what, why not keep a young guy with a little bit of potential at a price like that on your roster rather than going getting a, a Norris Cole? That's, I just, that confuses me. Yeah, there's a lot of people out there that just like like to claim that these hypothetical point guards can just be plugged in and, and they're just going to do better than than Briante Weber. Yeah, I am a little bit lower on Weber than you are, Spencer. Um, I've watched out of the five summer league games, I probably watched four, four and a half games. Uh, I didn't watch too much of that last game, but he improved throughout summer league. Uh, but it was just it was just hard to watch sometimes because he just pounds the rock. He pounds the rock, and the shot clock just dwindles down. And by the time the shot clock is at you know ten, he hasn't really moved. And I, I get some of the, some of the things with the offense weren't clicking, and people weren't getting open. But as a point guard, you got you got to make them get open. You you have to dribble to different spots on the floor and and kind of open up your angles. But if we're talking about adding another player at a vet minimum. And we're currently at 14 players right now. I wonder if it would be a big because you, we keep Cho keeps saying a third point guard. Well, we already have three point guards unless we get rid of Weber. So if we do get rid of Weber, we are getting off his non-guaranteed contract and we do free up some spots. And then we could insert Roberts and maybe get a sixth big that way uh, and add two players you know, you see what I'm saying? So, like, I don't, I don't think we're going to add a point guard unless we're dropping Weber. But, yeah, I people are acting like, you know, you can just insert a guy and, you know, for a third point guard, like you said, that's not going to be playing a lot of minutes. I don't think we need to have these high expectations of these players. I mean, I just don't know, like, what else you're going to get worth your while outside of or other than Briante Weber. I mean, I, I know he has deficiencies in his game, but that guy plays as hard as you can ask any guy to play. And um, I think you stick with that on a super team-friendly deal on the back of your roster with a young player and see what happens. I mean, this is there's no risk here. I don't know why the Hornets need to feel like, and I hope they don't, feel like they need to go search the, the bargain bin for some 33-year-old point guard at, at a veteran deal. When you, when you have Briante Weber here, who's a great defender, I know you have to put him around a lot of shooters if he's getting minutes, um, you know, which, you know, if Michael Carter Williams went down, he would have to play the backup and, you know, and give you 15 minutes a game, 10 minutes a game, whatever it is. I understand that, but I'm okay with it. I am. I think the Hornets have more shooting than people probably giving them credit for. I think that would show this season as some guys kind of progress back to where they were a season before. And I think having a guy out there like Weber who has a defensive acumen, which fits in with our head coach's profile anyways, it's just fine. It's just fine. So I, I don't, I don't really understand the, the necessity or, or really the desperation to go find somebody else. I don't think it makes much of a difference really at this point, especially with the third point guard. We're, we're getting way too, um, you know, over analytical with this third point guard. who's going to be seeing, right. You know, limited minutes. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I mean, the Hornets put one more person on the books. I, I think they probably would do themselves 
well by making it a big. I mean, I think that is an area. I, I just don't count Frank Kaminsky as a center. You know, Dwight Howard, Cody Zeller likely not playing 82 games if history has told us anything. You know, now you're down. Now you're really <laughs> you're really stretched in the front court if, if you get a doomsday scenario like that. And, you know, you're at Johnny O'Brien, uh, and that's really it. So I think the Hornets need to uh, – I think they need to get another center and I think that should be priority number one with the veteran minimum that they can still fit in under the tax. Are you ready to see the Zeller brothers reunited, perhaps, with Tyler hey. Zeller? As the, I mean, that would not, it would not be that bad as a, as a possibility. For, I, think uh, if, I think if they could get Tyler Zeller at the minimum, that mm-hmm. would be an awesome deal. I mean, I, don't, I know all the jokes. Oh, another white big. Oh, the, the brother, Cody <laughs> Zeller. Oh, my God. What are they doing? Like, it's fine. Exactly. It's fine. He would yeah. be a great third center. I, yeah. At the vet minimum, that would be a great deal. I agree. And there's not – I mean, there's just not a whole other – like, I'm just looking at other, other bigs that are available. Um, I mean, as far as guys that could, could potentially sign for the minimum, I mean, I just don't think you're, you, you do a whole lot better – the, honestly, than uh, than uh, Tyler Zeller. So we'll see. We'll see how Cho and those guys progress with it, though. Yeah, you know, I think um, is McGee still out there? I think yeah, Javel's still, still there. I don't know. He took meetings with Sacramento, the Clippers, oh. and the Warriors. And breaking news because we can break news on on podcasts every now and then. I did just see uh, Zaza Pachulia re-signed re- re- with the uh, the Warriors. I still think they're planning to bring back uh, McGee too. They have one last roster spot and they could sign him for the minimum. Uh, although maybe he could get a little bit more cash somewhere else too. But McGee would be, McGee would be, would be a fun. I mean, I would, it depends. It kind of, it kind of depends on which Javel you get, but he'd be, he played great last season for, uh, for golden state. And he'd be awesome at uh, some other guys. I mean, I, I think Deadman will probably want too much money. Uh, Jeff with, not terrible. Uh, Mike Toby, um, I mean, some of these other guys, I just don't think you're going to get them for, for anywhere close to the, to the minimum. So, um, yeah, I think that, I think you, your options are, are limited. There aren't that many six, 11, seven feet tall guys on planet earth. And there's only so few of them are free agents. So, um, it's the way it goes. Yeah. Toby's an interesting name. You know, the Hornets have, have rostered him in the past and know a little bit about him. You know, wouldn't be surprised to see a guy like that you know, be brought into training camp. And if, if he's, if he's in the top 15 best players, great. You know, I know that it's been a boring off season for the Hornets and the free agency because, or at least during free agency, just because they're so strapped for what they can do. But let's, let's, um, let's not make too much, <laughs> too big of a deal out of uh, this third point guard and this, this six big, it, it'll be okay. Cause those guys aren't going to play anyways. Well, Richie, what do you want to talk about next? I, I think we should talk about Graham. Travion Graham, like he, he was, he was the MVP of, of our Hornets team, and and I, I expect a bigger role this year out of him. Uh, he averaged almost 18 points per game and 8.3 rebounds per game uh, in his three summer league games. The last two games he did not play because he had a hamstring injury, but just to see that guy out there producing, playing, taking charge, he he was our go-to player in summer league and. You know, he's still improving his three-point shot. It was a little inconsistent, uh, maybe like in game one or game two, but he kind of picked it up in game three. I think he did shoot 40% overall in some league from three, but a lot of his offense is coming from 
like just bully ball. Like he he is so built, so strong, and he can get into the lane pretty easily and finish around around contact at the rim. And he he just he doesn't make a lot of mistakes. I mean, a lot of things that he does on the court is just you know sound stuff. Doesn't doesn't try to do too much. But one thing that he will have to improve on because he's such a strong player and likes to get to the rim, his free throw shooting. His free throw shooting last year uh, wasn't the greatest, and it, and it wasn't too great in summer league as well. But that guy, that guy, the way that he played uh, in Orlando, um, you know, offensively, defensively, just just kind of taking charge as that number one guy on the team. And I think, you know, with Monk being gone, like we would have, we would have really liked to see him be the number one guy and take over, and it, you know, it would have created this excitement. But I think it's somewhat, you know, in somewhat, it was a blessing in disguise to see Monk go down with an injury because a lot of these other players stepped up. And not, it's not to say that Monk's a shoe-in for an easy contributor next year. We would like to see how he would per- play in game-like situations. But I do think it was somewhat of a blessing in disguise to see him uh, have to sit out and, and, and Graham step up. Uh, Rich, yeah, I mean, look, I think Travion Graham, I, the Hornets already liked him. Um, you know, I think that uh, our guest last week, uh, Chris Kroger, kind of led us on to how much the front office and the coaches believe in Travion Graham and his potential. But uh he did him say, yeah, it's really a shame that he wasn't able to play what the last two games, I guess. Right. Um, but I mean, you just kind of run down his numbers from summer league. I mean, uh, they're, you know, they don't jump off the page, but they're solid. I mean, 47% from the field, 40%, uh, from three only took 10 threes, made four of them, uh, free throw percentage, 68 and a half, kind of odd that he's not a great free throw shooter. Um, usually a pretty good sign for what kind of true shooter right. uh, a guy is. And the fact that he, doesn't excel from the free throw line is, is a little bit worrisome, but you know, I wouldn't put too much stock into it. He's a great rebounder uh, for a guard. Mm-hmm. Richie, you might've said that, which, you know, I, you gotta love that. And, you know, he, he tallies seven steals, you know, in just three games at summer league as well. So, I mean, his profile of developing into a solid three and D or at least an average three and D player in the NBA certainly seems to be taking the right steps and and i would be shocked if uh if the hornets you know didn't bring him in to train they'll obviously bring him into training camp but if they didn't you know bring him and keep him on the roster um going into next year i would be shocked and while we're on travion just so everyone knows his his fully guarantee date for his contract which is about 1.3 million is january 10th which is the league cutoff date for non-guaranteed deals just so people can kind of note that but uh but yeah I, I would expect him to be to meet that fully guaranteed date in january and probably get a full year on this team and and you never know it might be a guy the hornets are moving forward with in the future uh on a cheap deal i think i just think this team has a whole especially like off the bench uh they need i mean i just are you are you guys cool with jeremy lamb being your your backup small forward going into the season i mean it's fine i guess but like I think there's, I think there really is, um, there, you know, he could crack the, the top nine on this team. I think if he could just become a consistent three point shooter and maybe emerge as a three and D type player for this team, uh, the sample for this is ridiculously small, but Trevion on catch and shoot threes last season, nine of 15, 60%. I mean, obviously that's, that's completely unsustainable and that's a really small sample, but I, you know, if he's one of those guys that could hit 40% of his catch and shoot threes, or close to those whereabouts and rebound and play hard on defense. Like Richie said, I mean, he's, he's a, he's a big, strong dude. I just think it'd be great 
if you could if you could find a you know a backup small forward on the roster at one point three million dollars. Uh, so I'm bullish on Graham, and I, I wish like like you guys said, I wish he could have played those final two games down in Orlando, just so we could have seen a little bit more. But I thought everything he showed showed down there was uh, was promising, and even in the small window that he played last season, I, I thought he was interesting too. So. I, he's one of the guys that I, that I think is worth paying attention to in training camp and preseason and, and you know early on in the season as well too yeah I, w- I wouldn't be surprised if his minutes throughout the year get closer and closer to lambs you know lamb will probably start off with more minutes on the bench and, and be that backup small forward because you know lamb does offer a lot of things that that graham does and some creating off the dribble and stuff like that well i guess they're both kind of good defensive rebounders but i think as the season progresses i think the way that Clifford likes defense, his numbers will slowly creep up minutes-wise, and it might even pass him at some point. Mm-hmm. I, I I agree with that assessment too. And if that happens, then all of a sudden maybe you have a, a small trade chip uh, with, with Jeremy Lamb too, potentially. So we'll see. Yeah, you know it's interesting um, to think about Travion Graham possibly competing with Jeremy Lin for those backup minutes. I mean, I, that's that's not even really something I've given a lot of thought into. Brian, so that's a great point, and I think Jeremy Lamb's deal is definitely movable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I think I think you can find somebody in the league who wants to give this guy one more chance. Um, <laughs> I mean, he's uh, he isn't he's not an expiring. He does have he is on the books for eighteen and nineteen. Yeah, I, I think somebody would roll the dice on him. Um, so so Travion certainly an interesting guy to watch going into training camp and uh, you know as uh Kroger told us front office likes him coaches like him they want to give this guy a chance so he's he's definitely gonna gonna have that summer league I thought outside of Graham you know I thought Bacon's game uh in the final game game five where he scores 29 points I think he grabbed maybe eight rebounds I could be wrong on that but a super impressive that guy has a nasty mid-range game uh, and I mean, he gets, he gets to his spot. He's, he's good at coming off those ball screens and kind of keeping the defender on his back. Um, not a creator doesn't read defenses real well yet, but I, I don't think anybody should be super, super shocked about that. I mean, it, Brian, you and I have talked about this a lot. You're talking about a guy who pretty constantly look for his stuff at Florida state. So it yeah. just doesn't have a, um, you know, an acumen to, to set up his teammates very often, but Man, oh man, this guy can score, and I—it's a little bit of a risk that the Hornets went ahead and gave him uh, a three-year deal, two years guaranteed. You know, I, I probably would have liked to see him in Greensboro a little bit more before you know they they uh, gave him that much, that kind of guaranteed money. But they believe in what he brings, and he could certainly develop into a volume scorer off the bench uh, in the NBA long term. And I think that's kind of what the Hornets are betting on here. Any extra thoughts on Bacon? An impressive summer league. I thought it got better as the summer league went on. He was kind of inconsistent in the beginning, and his shots weren't falling for him, but he did have that really good uh, game five where he went off for 29 points. And I think defensively he has all the tools. Like we've talked about this on the previous episode. You know, He's not the quickest, but he's got some power to him. Um, and he, I think he displayed a little bit better on-ball uh, def- defense than he did off-ball. Sometimes I caught him kind of like ball-watching, and his man would kind of slip to the corner, and he'd be wide open for a three, or he'd be late rotating, and the ball would be swung back around. You know, like you said, the mid-range game is there. It's there. That That's his bread and butter. 
getting to those spots and, and hitting those mid-range shots, like kind of like Lamb does. And again, his three-point shot is shaky. So if we ever want him to develop to a three and D type of guy off the bench, uh, that three-point shot's going to have to get better because it wasn't great in Florida at Florida State and wasn't great in summer league as well. He shot just twenty. Sorry, but he shot just twenty percent on threes uh, down in Orlando, two attempts per game. So. Um, not great. He is a good mid-range shooter, like you guys said, and he shot 50% on mid-range jumpers, uh, 17 feet to the three-point line at Florida State last season, which is pretty good. Yeah, I, I was just going to throw in real quick, Brian. I mean, yes, his three-point numbers weren't great. I don't think he came into the league as a, you know, he, he's not this guy who has a, a great uh, reputation for being a three-point shooter but look in summer league he may took 19 free throws he made 19 free throws i mean that's that's a really good sign i think for a young player like him and i think it's also a sign and this probably hadn't talked about enough with uh efficiency from the free throw line i think if a guy is super efficient he is a natural score like that like i i just i think that goes with the mentality of being a good free throw shooter is I'm out here to score the basketball. I mean, Malik Monk has the same thing. So, you know, Bacon and Monk are a little bit redundant, you know, in, in that phase of their game is that they're both volume shooters, volume scorers. Uh, but, but look, I think Bacon showed a ton of promise in summer league. Um, I think it's a guy that again, the Hornets rolled the dice on a little bit, giving him that kind of guaranteed money. But uh, for the 40th pick in the draft, uh, you got to like what you saw uh, down in Orlando so far. Anything else on him? Uh, I guess my question would be, what do you guys think of that? The mid range game? Like it, obviously he, he can, he can really play in the mid range. He showed that at Florida state. He showed it in these, these handful of games on Orlando. Do you think that, do you guys think that kind of game exists in the NBA? You know what I mean? Like, are, are those the same kind of shot? I mean, like, I feel like, I don't know. You can get those shots whenever. I just don't know if the, if those are the shots you're going to be like looking for, for with with frequent, I just don't know how well that game translates to the NBA. I mean, the Hornets aren't the Rockets, obviously, but uh, I, I'm curious to see what you guys what your guys thoughts are on, on a guy that is so, you know, even for a bench score, is so heavily reliant on on the mid range to get his shot. I, I mean, what I would say is like step one is knowing that a guy can go get buckets, for the lack of better terms. You know, like. That guy went down to summer league. He scored almost 30 points in a game. I mean, yeah. I think that carries enough weights to say, like, we can work with him on his shot. Like, we can work with him on playing off the ball and learning how to get himself open and learning how to create for his teammates. And But we know, like, he knows how to, how to get – he knows how to get his – to his spots, and he knows how to get his points. And he has the mentality of a scorer. I think the rest of the molding – uh, the Hornets feel like they can kind of uh, they can kind of work with that, teaching him the game of basketball a little bit more. Um, outside of hey, I got the ball in my hands, I'm getting the ball screen, I'm going to find points, you know. But but that is a good that's a good starting place, right, Brian? Like that's you don't you don't find a lot of guys who just know how to score. True, um, I, I agree. Yeah, you know, I mean, I think Justin Jackson's one of those guys. I mean, that's one of the reasons I really didn't like him that much of his prospect is yeah, his shot improved, yeah, he's got length. Yeah, he might turn into a, a decent three and D prospect, but like he really doesn't know how to like go score the basketball mm-hmm. and, and find his own shot super consistently, especially in the NBA. I don't think, but that's more opinion than anything else. But Bacon knows how to do that, so that's a good starting point. That's a good foundation to teach him 
how to really play the game. Uh, but I see your, I see your point. Like mm. he's not a floor spacer yet. He doesn't know how to play off the ball. He's not a great shooter. Like how much in the NBA can really be found in the mid range. I mean, I get it, but like they have somewhere to start if that makes sense. Yeah. I, I agree. I agree. I, I think so. I, I think that way, I think, I think it's a good assessment of, of the situation. I'm curious to see how they kind of how they build on it from here. You just take all mid range shooters, DeRozan. Yeah, I, I, you know what sad is that was like the only plus attribute I had as a as a like a as a basketball player growing up was like I hit mid range shots, and everyone was like, "Dude, if you took a step back, you'd be a lot better." But uh, it wasn't wasn't in my game, and so I guess I don't know uh, because of that. I now I for whatever reason I spite mid range shooters. It doesn't make much sense. I. I, I am uh, I'm all over the place as a as a as a basketball judger here apparently, but uh, yeah, for whatever reason, I don't know the the mid range game. It just doesn't do it for me quite like it used to. Right, and I, I mean with Dwayne Bacon going nineteen for nineteen from free throws, that, that definitely means he's comfortable shooting around the free throw line. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean I, I'm with you on DeRozan actually, Brian. Like I'm not a huge yeah, DeRozan guy. I think like what he does and how effectively he does it is is like hard to believe, really. Yeah, but uh. But yeah, I just don't write off like a young guy like Bacon. I just yeah. And look, I saw him, and you probably remember this game. I saw him at UVA in John Paul Jones hit that like fading, yeah, yeah, that like fader over. I don't even remember who he hit it over. I think it was uh, was it Will? I don't was it was it Wilkins? But I I don't know. There was some. It was one of their good defenders. I know that when they had plenty of them. I think it was Wilkins, and it was fading towards the sidelines. It was deep. It was probably NBA range, and just that guy, like Jason Tatum did at UVA, just caught fire towards the end of the game. But yeah, I, I believe it's been in his potential. I, I think it can happen, and um, but we'll see. So I think he showed enough in summer league to get people, you know, somewhat excited. Uh, the last game, the last guy I wanted to talk about uh, in summer league, and then we can move on, uh, is Johnny O'Brien. Um, you know, I thought he was okay. Uh, 45% from the field. Uh, took 21 threes, which is really most. by far the most of any Hornets player. Oh, I, like um, it, man. I like yeah, it. He loves to play that stretch front court. Yeah. Kind of he was 7 and 21, so 33%. Yeah. Uh, decent from the, from the free throw line, about 80%. Uh, not a great rebounder, which is a little bothersome and really doesn't bring too much else to the table outside of being able to stretch the floor a little bit and, uh, yeah, and just being a decent shooter. Thoughts, Richie? I mean, from what I saw last year and from what I saw in Orlando, I do like his versatility playing outside in, but that guy was not afraid to shoot the ball. Anytime he was open at the top of the, the key for three, he shot it. And obviously we saw that with the 21 attempts uh, in, in Orlando, and he didn't make a lot. I mean, it's not like he made 45% of these things. He shot 33%. Uh, he was not hesitant in shooting that ball. So I, I do like the versatility and the confidence. Um, he does have some wiggle and some shake to him down low as well. Uh, but again, we're talking about a fifth or sixth big on the team. Like his versatility, he does get lost defensively sometimes. He fouls a lot, but um, yeah, he's not the most efficient player. I mean, he's all right for a six big, I guess is what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I think he's fine. I mean, I think the Hornets actually should run it back with him. I like his, you know, you have Cody Zeller, you have Dwight Howard, and then Frank Kaminsky again, if you want to count him as a center, which I don't. But um, I mean, I like like the fact that O'Brien can stretch it. You know, I like the the balance of bigs where you have two kind of stretch the floor, shoot it. Mm -hmm. And then your behemoths, you know, Dwight Howard and Cody Zeller who hang out around the basket and are, are, you know, or screeners or rollers. 
I, I think it's a good change of pace if the Hornets actually have to get to that point in their roster with minutes. Um, you know what? I think O'Brien actually showed enough last year to be deserving um, of another roster spot with the Hornets. I mean, he had some really good games. That game in Denver, I think yeah, maybe it was. 15 uh, points. Yeah, he yeah, played yeah. against them. You know, so and, and he's he's older than you think. I don't have it right in front of me, but he, he's got experience in the league. I think that's plus with the guy who's making minimum money, which he will. And I don't know. I, I'm maybe a little bit higher on O'Brien and his potential moving forward than, than others. I think the Hornets should probably run it back with him. Yeah, I don't think that's too bad. It just for the he just turned 24 years old too uh, last month. So yeah, he is a little older, I suppose, for a uh, you know a guy that's basically a third year third year pro fourth year pro here so just tie a bow on that i would like to see a lineup with him jlb uh mcw and mkg on the court and same guy just, just, have just all the, the initials all, yeah. all the three lettered <laughs> i like that too but to have batum out there so it can be uh nick too so we can just have all the the three lettered guys out on the uh out on the court there isn't kaminsky like isn't kaminsky like the third too isn't he like frank yes. kaminsky the or whatever so perfect there we go we've got synergy with this lineup i like it richie i, I just saw a tweet yes. come through your boy Shel- shelvin mack got six oh. mil a year wow yeah, we couldn't afford that couldn't afford that so i mean think like like we talked about earlier in the show that michael carter williams was definitely a value pick here and we were, we were strapped with cash and you know we talked about having that team option but you know maybe it wasn't if we offered him 2.7, he probably wasn't going to take a, a, t- a team option the next year. Maybe if we offered him a little bit more, he could have taken that. But uh, Shelvin Mack, yeah, it looks like he's going to the Magic uh, at $6 million a year. What a waste of a good role player, too. Just to go to the barren wasteland, that is. They were like, and, and do what? Like, help them win 27 games this year? Um, and then it's just I don't know exactly what they're. That's probably just like the, the cap space they had remaining. They're like, you know what? We'll just spend it this summer instead of saving it. Here, here's twelve million dollars, Shelvin Mack. Like, just it's ridiculous. That like, franchise is rudderless, dude. Just them and the uh, the Bulls and the Knicks, especially. I, just, I don't know what they're doing, man. I don't know what they're doing. The Knicks have reached a point where, like, I, I, I think they're just like messing with us. Like I don't even like believe it's real anymore. The the uh, the Hardaway signing is incredible. I mean, like wow. it's a work. It's it's a it's a work of art. It is a work of art. Even if you don't, even if you don't think that he's overpaid, which I would argue that he is, the fact that you the way they had to go about getting him is just incredible. It's incredible. They what? had this guy. The but funny thing like, is, the funny thing is, the Hawks were like probably going to move on anyways. So like it's, it's just, it's, it's unbelievable. Like they saw what Brooklyn has done the last few years with Tyler Johnson and now Otto Porter where they're like, Oh, look at all these little, like, you know, the, they get the 50% trade kicker, like the last year team or player option. Like they put all this stuff in all these weird nooks and crannies that make it hard to match. And then New York's like, Oh my God, how smart we'll do that too. <laughs> Except we'll give him 10 million more dollars that he's getting up. You know, it's just like, what? Like the Hawks weren't even going to match. So what you did was actually make it harder on yourself. Once they don't, it's, it's unbelievable. The mess Knicks are. I saw, I saw Kevin Arnovitz from ESPN said this last night. Arnovitz is plugged. A is plugged in with the Hawks and is B not a person to speculate. He said Atlanta was expecting offers, like an offer sheet for Hardaway, to be about $45 million in total. And the Knicks were like, oh, yeah? 
Oh, okay. <laughs> You're exactly. 26 million more than that. Tell how about that? Everyone's like, uh, okay. I mean, whatever, whatever you guys want to do. Here's Matt. your dominant two guard that doesn't fit with your roster and only played well in a contract year. But yeah, enjoy giving him 18 million dollars a year over the next four years. It's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Boom. Match that Atlanta. And then it's like, oh, yeah, we weren't going to anyway. So. <laughs> so yeah, enjoy that contract. Okay. I mean, it's unbelievable. So anyways, we're not going to talk about the Knicks because it just makes me angry. Yeah. We need to talk about Buzz Peterson. Anything else on summer league before we move on? No, I think, no. I think yeah. we're good. Okay. Yeah. So <clears throat> Buzz Peterson, and I'm just going to give my thoughts really quickly because a lot of it is just speculation and I don't want to ramble on, but Buzz Peterson, Michael Jordan's roommate at the University of North Carolina in college, been boys for a long time, has worked in the Hornets front office. Uh, I, Richie, you probably, I should have looked this up before we started, but I think he's been somewhere in the scouting player development side now, and I could be off on that. But anyways, because I don't want to go down this rabbit hole. I've been down it too many times in the past. <laughs> this makes me nervous. Yeah. He's... I don't know Buzz Peterson and Michael Jordan's relationship, but I know they're boys and MJ's quote unquote boys in the past in this front office, you know who I'm talking about, has yeah. not worked out well. And if Rich Cho does not survive this this mess and he is not brought back the year after, and in some alternate universe, maybe the universe we're actually living in right now, Buzz Peterson is promoted to GM, I that is not good. Mm-hmm. Um, so this makes me nervous. That's all I'm going to say. I'm not going to speculate. I'm not going to do anything else, but just know, I don't know how good this is. I, I would agree. I think that the one thing with, uh, Buzz Peterson, he was already within the organization. So it's not like he was bringing another guy, another one of his boys, but you always see him sitting courtside, uh, yep. next to Jordan. And, yep. uh, I, I want to say he was even the, the coach at UNC Wilmington when I was down there. I don't, I don't know if I caught the tail end of that or what, but, uh, I, I don't even know how qualified he is when it comes to making these decisions because I don't know if it's just a title <laughs> or if he's actually behind the scenes doing anything. So if he ever that's becomes – That's it, Richie. I, yeah. yeah See, I mean, no, no. I'm sorry not to cut you off, but that's kind of it, which I didn't say. Like how qualified is he to be any kind of not. assistant, assistant, assistant GM? Like he was a college coach a few years ago. Right. How did, did this guy know the salary? I, I, I don't know. It seems like a Jordan move to me. That's all I'm going right. to say. Sorry, I the, cut you off. I didn't mean. The days of when guys like this were a GM are like a thing of the past. You know what I mean? Like the GMs nowadays, they're MBAs. They have law degrees. It's not like a, a dude that played for Dean Smith 32 years ago. You know what I mean? It happened to be a roommate with Michael Jordan. Like that, those those days are over with. Um, and uh, you know, and so I don't know. We'll see. Uh, he was on radio here in Raleigh today. He, he was talking about he was looking forward to working with Rich Cho, um, and I'm glad he didn't say ultimately, eventually taking his job too, because that would be that, that would not be good. Rod Higgins 2.0 if that if that comes to fruition. Christ, let's hope not. <laughs> so, anyways, sorry, Richie, I cut you off. Any do we want to add something else to to the Buzz Peterson news? No, I mean, we, we touched upon it all. I, I, again, I, I think it was just a title when it came to whatever position he held before the assistant GM because I just don't know how you hire that guy without any previous experience in the front office. And, yeah, he's, he's moving up the ranks here. Awesome. Richie, I think we had a question. I bet we, we covered the question that we had, right? I just want to shout out uh, that's at D-Train for the number four life, L. 
YFE. So give him a follow. Thank you for your question. I think we shed some positive light on Carter yeah. Williams. Um, that's, that's why we keep Brian around because he, he finds these cool little stats that, that, that keep it fresh. I was saying, I was saying to Richie beforehand, uh, you know, it, at least with Carter Williams, if you comb through enough numbers, you could find some good stuff. It was not like that with Ramon session last year where you were like, I mean, I went through, I went through line by line of everything for him and was like, man, he got worse in 100% of the things he did last year. So another positive for Carter Williams, he's not Ramon sessions. So we also have for him too. And on that note, Ramon Sessions might be out of the NBA. We'll, we'll wait and see, but, I mean, he's still out there. I guess technically the Hornets could – yeah. I think technically they could bring him back at the minimum. Yeah. Yes. I mean, whatever. Again, we're not going to talk about minimum contracts and 15th roster spot anymore. Right. But All right, Richie, I'm missing something. What else do we need to talk about? I think – is that it? No, you've covered it. Yeah, we've, we've, we've went down the list here. Cool. All right. Uh, well, guys, that was fun. Yeah. Um, sorry if this wasn't a full show, but you know, we're approaching that time of year with basketball. Unfortunately, we're just not going to be a lot to talk about. So Richie, we, we haven't even really decided yet. I, I think we might transition to the point where we're on once every two weeks. Yeah. You know, I, it just, you, you only want to hear us ramble and babble about so much when there's nothing going on. So we're transitioning into a off season mode in queen city hoops. So we'll have some fresh stuff. Uh, up on the site here soon probably some previews for each player maybe some combos you know how's Mont gonna play with Kemba how's Mont gonna play with Carter Williams all that good stuff we got some more Dwight Howard stuff coming on the site so be on the lookout for all that but yeah uh, we'll be we'll be here for you guys probably once every two weeks or so until we get into fall and training camp so appreciate the listen uh, anything else out there Brian no that's it man uh, enjoy Vegas summer league that should be fun and uh, I don't know. Let's just hope Malik Monk starts playing, so I don't have to keep watching Donovan Mitchell highlights and feel feel sad. So let's let's get oh. Monk out there on the uh, on the court sometime soon. Here, actually, I did want to ask Richie. Richie, were you watching the the Jazz Celtics summer league game last night? I was not. I was watching TV with my wife. She she watches this show I, called Boy Band on ABC. Oh, well that you know. <laughs> I don't think that sounds as good as Summer League, and I don't even get that excited about Summer League. But (laughs) Well, if you would have seen Donovan Mitchell, uh, and I tweeted about it earlier, if you would have seen him guarding Jason Tatum, uh, you would have gotten a chubby. Your boy was out there balling. (laughs) I already knew this. I already knew this stuff. So I I knew that he was going to perform this well in Summer League. I think that was the downside of of Monk not playing. We didn't get to see this, and we start speculating now that Mitchell's doing well. The, the cognitive dissonance is strong all of a sudden. <laughs> so we need we need Malik Monk to start playing again so we can be feel cool about the pick that we were like toasting to a week ago. So uh let's uh let's get him healthy, let's get him back out on the court. Dude, Donovan Mitchell is turning into the darling of Summer League in Utah yeah. right now. That kid whew, he is <laughs> he is a competitor. Really fun to watch. Everyone was freaking out on Twitter last night. It was just like, oh, okay, I'm going to pretend like I'm not noticing this right now. <laughs> I, I just loved like when he ripped Tatum and then Tatum, you know, he goes the other way and Tatum kind of grabs him, intentionally fouls him. I just like the fact that like he walked back towards Tatum, kind of yeah, staring him down. And yeah. Tatum wanted nothing, nothing to do with that interaction. Nothing. nothing. Like, which just tells you what kind of competitor or what kind of guy Mitchell is, what we said all along. I'll always be a fan of his. Lo- love his game, but yeah, he better not turn into something great. Yeah. <laughs> Knock on wood, man. Knock on wood. Yeah. Yeah. All right, boys. Well, that was fun. Look, we are a member of the almighty Baller 
Radio Network. Uh, so again, check out almightyballer.com for everything covering the NBA. They've got every show you can imagine over there, every team, free agency, draft, you name it, they got it. Well, until next time, I'm going to my bachelor party next week, so you won't hear from us then, maybe the week after. Uh, but until then, talk to you guys. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Mail checks, invoices, documents, and everything you need to keep your business running. Get rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS. And with the mobile app, you can take care of mailing on the go. Make the same no-brainer decisions as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.